0: Good morning, good morning. It's lovely to see so many people here. It's lovely to see you. Uh, I know that the they're still um, out the front just getting the kids' names into the systems and getting all those things working out. So it's great to have you all here for church this morning. If you're online, we welcome you as well. It's great to have you as part of our community, part of our service. If you want to write who you are and uh, where you're from into the chat space online, that'd be great. We can keep a a record that you've been here. Or you can go online to our website and you can fill in uh, a form just under uh, the uh, Who We Are sort of space. You can fill in a form to say, hey this is who I am. Uh, If you're in church and you're new, welcome. It's great to have you here as well. Uh, If there's cards in front of the pockets of your your seat, you can fill in a card to to let us know who you are and give it to the seek and find table after church uh, just to to keep us in touch with uh, who's around. It's great to see so many people. Straight after church, we'll be having uh, the, the coffee van, will be open, the two sparrows van, Callum's going to be running it, so thanks, Cal. So um, whew, yeah, yeah whew. If, uh, if there's anyone that's interested in being a part of that ministry or interested in exploring uh, what it looks like to, to be a part of it, um, maybe go see Cal after church, see myself. Um, Cal's looking actually for someone to take some orders this morning with him, so if you're Got a sort of want to want to get to know a few people. Just jump in the van with Cal, and you'll be able to uh, say, "Oh, what's your name?" Good way of getting to know people. Uh, it's a donation-based sort of system for a coffee as well. Uh, we don't put a charge on it; it's donation-based. So you just go if you've got uh, some some money to give, you can give um, based on what you think the coffee's worth. Is that a good idea, Cal? Based on what they think the coffee's worth. Uh, <laughs> Carl's raising the bar. Um, but you might think, actually, I could, I could go and bless someone this morning and buy someone else a coffee as well. So uh, get out there and see how it goes. Tonight is night church, 6.30? Uh, no. 5.30, 5.30 just rolls off the tongue at 6.30 because that's what it's been. We've moved it forward to, um, to 5.30 so that the young adults especially can go out for dinner afterwards and it doesn't come a really late night for them. Um, good way of being able to be together earlier as well. So come along. Jordan will be preaching uh, this evening. So come along and, and hear what Jordan has to say. Uh, next Sunday after church is our newcomer's lunch uh, morning tea if you are feeling new to church or if you are new to church this may be your first week maybe your third week maybe you're um, maybe you've come for a year and you're still sort of going I'd love to get to know the church a little more after church next week uh, in the meeting room just off the foyer we'll have a morning tea um, so please if you are keen for that there's a sign up on the seek and find table go just put your name down so we've got an idea of how we can cater for that as well we look forward to having you there. Friday the 3rd of March at 10am, there is a Combined Churches World Day of Prayer. We're running it here at Killside South. Everybody is welcome. If you're coming, please bring a plate of food to share with the the neighbouring churches. They all congregate into this space on that day. So that's the 3rd of March at 10am. One other thing about uh, the coffee van, Two Sparrows van, is this Wednesday night is the first of... Uh, our street evangelism nights, and we're going to take the coffee van out to Baronia to serve coffee and share hope with the people in the area. Uh, if you're interested, um, the the team will be meeting here at 6 p.m. Uh, there'll be a time of prayer and worship before we head out, and then we'll head out for the evening. Uh, the plan will be. Uh, be to be back here at 9.30, finished up and ready to go. If you're interested, please have a chat with Rod Bowman or myself, and we can give you more information as we go. It's going to be exciting uh, to get out into the street and just share um, stories, share blessings with other people. Um, I wonder if, Lee, you've got some information around the car boot sale, if you're happy to come and share that, because that's coming up nice and quickly as well.
1: Oh, my voice is not loud enough. Uh, yes,
2: oh, gee, it's loud. Uh, Saturday the 4th of March, um, and uh, all day. It's a very exciting day, in my opinion, because we get a vast number of people come from our community, and uh, it's a great opportunity for us to mix with them. You know, and we have near on, and we now don't take numbers, but there's near on a thousand people come onto the property on that Saturday morning. And uh, so it's a very exciting day as far as the, uh, the church is concerned. There are flyers out on the uh, seek and find table with more information there about who you could contact if you would like to have a stall. Um, we have about fifty stall holders, or up to fifty. It's not. We don't really know until the day. Uh, uh, and uh, Eric Moore takes those bookings, and that's on that information on the seek and find table. But it's a great opportunity for us to make a conversation with someone whom we've never met before, a stall holder, or someone who's looking at some goods there on the stall. So it's a great opportunity for outreach. Uh, stalls are twenty-five dollars. Uh, So if you would like to have your own stall on that day, uh, please see Eric and uh, we'll organise that. He'll organise that for you. The money raised goes 50% to outreach and 50% off our church loan. So uh, it's worthy when when the money that's raised. And it's normally uh, $2,500. Can be a bit more, can be a bit less, depending on the day and the people who come. Thanks to those who have already replied to the tasks sheet that I sent out earlier in the week, And uh, there are a number of gaps there still. So if you have never been involved in the car boot sale or uh, are new to the church and would like to be involved for an hour or so on that day, um, please see me after church and we can organise that. Um, Ashley Warren-Smith, who was our vocalist this morning, um, she's looking after the um, Devonshire tea. So if you're able to help on the Devonshire tea, see uh, Ashley after church and also Graham Goldsmith who's looking after the barbecue. If he needs people, see Graham, or you can see myself personally and I can uh, take your name and put you through to the right people involved there. Um, We have two special uh, stalls. One's the KSBC stall where we bring along um, our treasures from home that we no longer want or need in good condition of course. And uh, we sell those. We normally raise uh, you know, $500 on our own stall uh, on the day. So if you've got any goods at home that you've uh, finished using and they're in good condition, bring them along. And if you can bring them on the Friday, that would be great. We can then have a look at them and price them, stick them on the everything for $2 or everything for $5 table and so on on our own stall. If you could put a price on them, that would help too. But... It's, we used to call it bric-a-brac in the old days and my generation would understand what that means. The younger ones probably don't. But, uh, and plants as well and things like that go on the stall. We also have an outreach stall and um, I think it's good to rent a crowd for the outreach stall. We have the sign up at all our ministries and so on. If you can just go and talk to the people on the stall, that just encourages others to be involved as well, as far as at least coming up and seeing what's available on that stall. So I encourage you to come along, have a Devonshire tea on the day, or a sausage from the sausage sizzle, or whatever it might be. So uh, please see
0: one of those people I mentioned after church. Thank you. you, Thank you very much. Important, important things. Um, come and grab a sausage or a Devonshire tea because there'll be other people sitting and having a sausage in Devonshire tea. I see that as one of the most important ministries of the church is to eat. Uh, so we do have to eat so that we can share our faith with others. So um, come and get a sausage and <laughs> a Devonshire tea um, and uh, well, maybe the coffee will be there as well. Uh, if you've been On top of the news this week, you'll know that of the devastation in Turkey and Syria, um, it's just horrific uh, what's happened over there and the the rebuild of a nation almost or just of of those areas is going to be massive. Uh, We would like to be able to offer the ability to to give to those um, appeals. Um, Baptist World Aid is taking up an appeal for um, helping and, and sending stuff across to Turkey and Syria. They're joining with other organisations. They're not doing it on their own. They're joining with some other organisations to make sure that the money gets to the right spaces and the right spots. So if you want to give to that, um, you can either... If you've got an envelope or something, you can either put that into the offering on an envelope. Um, You can pay it through the church website as well. Um, There's a space for special offerings on the website, or you can bring it in through the week. Um, We'll have that open for the couple of weeks. So if you bring something next week, it'll still go to that as well. Uh, As well as our regular giving is is out the front. There's a a tin out the front that you can give to. Of course, you can give online as well. Uh, There's different ways that you can give and give of your worship to God. Let me pray, and because the kids are about to head out for their children's ministry. I heard amazing reports last week about this new children's ministry. Susan had week one of her, of her role as children and families pastor, and I only hear, heard great things. So Susan, I don't know if you're around. There you are. So well done. Week one down, awesome. Week two, let's go. It's going to be awesome. So let me pray for our children and then we'll send them out with, uh, with God's blessings. Our Lord and God, we thank you so much. Uh, for the youngest to the oldest in this church, um, God, we thank you that uh, we can serve uh, all ages. We thank you that we can disciple all ages. And we thank you for Susan and Jordan who are, are leading the ministries there uh, on a Sunday morning to um, help share... Jesus with them with these children we ask Lord Jesus this morning the children will have a great time they'll enjoy it they'll uh, love uh, being around each other and they'll learn a little bit about you as well so bless them as they go in Jesus name Amen now if you're new and you've got children that are heading out to the children's ministry our preps to, to sixes go out the door here and our year six no, sorry our preps to five go out to the door um, for their ministries year five to year eight also go out that door and you, there's pathfinders for you. Our preschoolers are up the back of the church, and there is a creche also. Uh, if you don't know where, which way you're going, just find someone that looks a similar age and follow them along with your parents. That'd be great. Next thing.
3: Thanks, Pete. I don't know whether you saw in the news this week you can pay just $200 for a cup of coffee in the city, so uh, anything less than that, I think, is acceptable, so that's fine. This week, we celebrate 40 years since the Ash Wednesday bushfires. It's just incredible. That devastated so much of our state. For a lot of us living out here in the foothills, it impacted people we knew, Um, and it was a very... um, What's the time? time for reflection, I think, for a lot of people, and I remember... Just after that week, we met as a fellowship and we sang Great Is Thy Faithfulness, because people were saved and miraculous things happened. And even those who were affected, those who lost their homes, those who lost loved ones, were able to look to the future. And I know this afternoon there's a a service up at Cockatoo for those who are thankful for what God has done in that 40 years since then. So let's stand as we sing, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, because God is still faithful.
0: Let's continue in that posture of worship. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we are able to praise you, that we have the freedom to praise you here, that we can lift our voices and, 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 and sing of your glory. And we look forward to that day when you come again in glory, all your glory. We look forward in great anticipation. God, we thank you for the privilege of knowing you for your love that never fails. We praise you, God, for your grace and your mercy, for your faithfulness to each of us. Even when we don't hit the mark, even when we fall short, you still love us. Our God, as we've just heard from David, of the 40 years since the fires just here in the hills and the hurt and the pain that that can bring for so many people, we pray that today, is there's some time to reflect, as there's time to remember, as there's time to consider the good things that you've done since, we ask, God, that you be with those people who forever, that will be a hard time. God, we pray for Turkey and for Syria, as, and we pray for the people there that have lost so much, those who have lost loved ones whose lives have been transformed overnight, who have lost possessions, have lost everything. Lord, as the nation looks to how they can rebuild, we ask God that you be with them. We pray for all of those who are are bringing support and relief. We pray that they may be able to get what is needed to the right spaces at the right times. Lord, for those who are still Doing searches and looking through the the devastation, I pray you you give them strength. God, we lift up those closer to home who are struggling today. We pray for those who have lost loved ones in the past few weeks. We pray that you'll provide them with comfort and with support. God, for those who are facing financial difficulties and the pressures of the rising costs, we ask you be with them. For those who are suffering from illness, for those who are going through emotional pain, we ask that you be their comfort and their strength, that you give them peace in their hearts at this time. We also pray for those that we know that don't know you. May God we be agents of your love and grace. May you open their eyes to the truth of your word and to the good news that we have experienced, that you would draw them to yourself. May they experience your love and forgiveness and the joy that it is to live for you. Lord, may we be those people who show them what it means to love Christ. And God, in the silence now, we lift up the names of those who we know need to know you. And God, we pray for our church community that we continue to grow in our faith, that we would be a light to those around us. Help us to be ambassadors for you and share your love with everyone that we meet. Father, we ask that you would be at the centre of our lives, that we would live for you in all that we do. May your will be done in our lives and may we bring glory to your name. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. And everyone said... Amen. Thanks. Can I have... Alan's going to come up and share our reading today.
4: Good morning. Our reading is from Philippians 1,
1: verses
4: 12 to 30. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. and will continue to be with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel,
0: Thanks, Ellen. Well, it's good to be here this morning. I was reminded, though, this week of the fragility of life. Um, I had two funerals that I went to this week of men who were in their 90s. And as I listened to their stories, it was wonderful to hear the reflections of others that uh, knew these men very well, family, friends. And they were um, two faithful men, very faithful men. And as I thought about their life, I figured they were around when TV was just being invented. They were there when World War II started and ended. They saw the evolution of the automobile, and I wonder what they thought of it. They saw the rise and use of electricity in homes. I wonder how they went about this new invention, the light bulb. (laughs) Can you imagine all the stories that they'd told over the many, many years by these two 90-plus-year-old men, they lived over nine decades of their life, over a thousand months, over 4,600 weeks, nearly 33,000 days. That's a lot of days. As I thought about that, I thought, how important are our beds, like our mattresses? I mean, we we sleep in a mattress every day, 33,000 times. That's a lot of a lot of. Go out and buy a good mattress. It's probably worth the investment. It's probably... (laughs) That's not the only thing. The thing that really struck me about these two men were that they both had a very real and very living faith. I don't know at what stage of their life they would have called Jesus Lord and Saviour, but it was a long journey of faith for these two men. So I thought about it a bit further, and I thought, what was the formula that they used to unlock... longevity longevity within their faith journey? How did they last the distance of faith? I'm 45 now, and I'd like to think that I'm halfway on my journey or so. Um, I've been a believer in Jesus for about 30 years, and I can say with confidence that I still don't know the formula. I haven't got the formula. It's my hope that by 90, God willing, that I'll still be as faithful as these men were. But the more that I sort of fumble around to try and find a formula for faith, the more I seem to miss the mark. And maybe you've had the same experience. Perhaps you've been a champion of faith for more years than I've been alive. But if you're like me, you, haven't come, you probably haven't come across the secret formula for an onla- ongoing lasting faith. You might have come to the faith journey and sort of gone away again. And maybe you've come back and gone away again. Maybe you're teetering on the edge of your faith at the moment. You may have grown up in the church and you found out that formulas didn't work for you. You tried the daily reading plan. You went to church most weeks. You did what you could and you still found that it was hard to draw close to God. If only you had the formula or maybe... You're new to this journey of faith. Maybe you're just starting on the journey of faith and you're learning as you go. You're fumbling through the ups and downs of faithful living, realizing that the verse that says we all fall short of the glory of God wasn't a pre-knowing Christ thing, it's an everyday thing. The temptations of your pre-Christian life are still sitting there like chocolate cake in front of a two-year-old. If only there was a secret formula. If I do this, then God will be happy with me. Life will be easy. And faith will be a walk in the park. We just need the formula. But today I'm going to let you in on a small secret. Well, it's probably not a small secret. There's no formula for faith-filled living. There's no, if I do this, then this will be the result. In the journey of faith, A squared plus B squared doesn't equate to Pythagoras. So today we're not going to do a formula. We're not going to look at formulas. A set of do this and we'll get closer to God sort of stuff. There are spiritual disciplines that we can do to help us on the journey and we're going to look at that a little bit later. But as we'll see through Paul's example in the letter to the Philippians that Alan read to us, Paul's life is based around not a formula, but it's based around principles. And today I want to share two principles with you. Because I found out as a 16-year-old coming to faith that my journey started off with the formula. If I come to church on Sunday, if I read my Bible, if I have a daily quiet time, if I pray and journal each day, I will be a good person of faith. It all helped me so much. Those things held me in good stead and my youth leaders really pushed that we do that. But there were times in my faith journey, especially in my younger years, where I would miss out on those times. I'd miss out on um, reading my scriptures or journaling. I wasn't good at journaling, and I missed out on it. But my friends didn't, and I always felt like I was a lesser Christian than them. The formula wasn't working for me, and I could easily have slipped out of the church back into footy. So I don't want to do formulas. I want to do faith principles. And I believe that Paul has given us a couple here. But before we get stuck into Paul's principles, I want to take you back to last week. Last week, I want to, uh, we started to share about our vision and why we're looking at any of this. And so I introduced the vision last week. Uh, if you weren't here, I'll show it in a minute. It's a statement that we want to hopefully, as a church, work towards over the next many years and I hope that by next week we'll have uh, some postcards um, delivered and printed up that will have the, the, um, the vision on it and the four pillars that you'll see in a minute so that you can put it into your Bible, you can put it on your fridge, you can start to look at it and think about it and uh, have, it, have it sort of start to be a part of who you are. So our vision, if you missed it last year, this is what um, our leadership came up with last week. It says, Our prayer is to grow God's kingdom in our community and through our relationships As we wholeheartedly follow Jesus, that's what we're going to talk about a fair bit today. We rely on God's word and spirit and we'll step into God's calling, challenging and encouraging each other to be authentic and passionate disciples of Christ in the whole of our life, serving and reaching out to Kilsyth and beyond. It's a lot of developing who we are that we may go out and be Christ in our world. Within that vision statement, we have four pillars that hold our vision up. These four pillars we're going to continue to work on as we go through, and they are faith beyond Sundays. What does a faith look like that doesn't just revolve around the one thing that we do on a Sunday? Faith that doesn't get relegated to a formula, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The second one is building bridges into our community. We're going to talk about that next week. Then we want to be a church that cultivates a culture of leadership and service, To to people here, but also beyond as well. And we want to be active in uh, having an active commitment to making Christ known in and through the relationships that we're leaning into. So everything that we do, the ministries that we run, we want to see them filtered through these four pillars. If one falls down, the vision falls down. So this year to start us practically moving towards that vision, we set a focus. And the focus is to strengthen the culture of outreach in the church and, share, and sharing our faith. We'll aim for 80% of people who call KSBC home to have at least five faith conversations uh, with friends, families, or co- family or com- colleagues. Our prayer is that five adults and 10 youth come to faith, or at least come to faith, and that those new believers are baptised before the end of the year. And that's what we'd love to see. You might be sitting there thinking, that's a big ask. It is a big ask. But you might be sitting there thinking, small faith, Pete, small faith. <laughs> but what does it, what it does do it actually helps us make, think about about what are the relationships that we have right now who knows about your faith who knows about how god is at work in your life even today do your work colleagues see you different so in order to work towards that focus, we have a few stepping stones to get there as well. So four things that we, we can actively get engaged with. We'd love to see 80% of the church family having a meal, playing around a golf, going for a walk, doing something actively to engage the relationship with someone. Not just the faith conversation, but just to have a chat, just to get to know them deeper. A starting point for relationships. We want to use the Basics of Evangelism course uh, to help our community share their, their story. That's what it does. It's about sharing a story. And we've got opportunity on Wednesday to go out and share our stories with other people. We want to prepare a team to run Alpha in Term 2. And if Alpha's been heavy on your heart or if you've gone, Alpha, I want to be involved, let me know. We want to have a focus of prayer and fasting as we come up to Easter and um, as we sort of prepare for those sort of things as well. So there are four things, four practical ways that we can be involved in starting to head towards the vision that we're sort of hoping the church will will get towards. So that might have resonated with you. Very quick overview um, maybe not at the moment, that's okay We're going to continue to unpack these pillars um, The vision uh, over the, the coming weeks But also over the year We're not going to just let this sort of sit um, Because we believe that God will utilise Some of the faithful work that the, the leadership Had done over the last couple of years To bless the church So that's where we're at So let's get back to Paul's writing for the, To the Philippian church And the joy that he finds in life Regardless of his situation So for, for Paul, faith wasn't an equation We hear it in that reading. Paul didn't live out the formula of faith, he lived out the principles. And he lived out two principles that we can see in this reading. The first one is that Paul kept Christ absolutely central in all of his life. And the second one is Paul's life reflected the gospel of Christ. Before we get stuck into those two principles, I want to give us a little bit of a context. At the time of writing, Paul was imprisoned in Rome. He's not a free sort of man at this stage. So, uh, and he's also sitting there wondering, am I going to be free again? So he writes not as a free man, but he writes as a man of an uncertain future. He writes this letter to encourage the church in Philippi to be strengthened in the midst of their struggles. He knows the struggles that they're going through. He understands what it means to be um, burdened by others. The members of the church in Philippi, they were facing persecution, opposition from, from the Roman rule, the Roman authorities, from their fellow citizens. They were struggling with division and disunity within their own congregation. It was causing them distress. They were struggling as a church. So Paul writes to encourage this church to stand firm, Stand firm in your faith, he says, and live out your lives in a way that brings glory to God. He reminds them that their ultimate citizenship isn't on earth, but it is in heaven. And that they actually should focus on the things of heaven, things that truly matter. So he encourages them to put aside differences and strive for unity within the body. That's the the crux of the, the letter to the Philippians. But can you imagine, he's writing all of that whilst chained up with no certainty of his own future. Maybe he's writing a little bit because of his circumstance. So Paul continues to emphasise the importance of keeping Christ central, regardless of the situation you find yourself in. Live in such a way that you reflect the gospel, regardless of what situation you find yourself in. We read Paul's writing to the Philippian chains, not As people who are chained ourselves, we read it out of a a place of ease, a place of comfort, don't we? We're not uh, in chains. We've got our freedoms. I think if we're not careful, our lack of persecution can sometimes create apathy in faith, can't it? Faith can then become substituted for a formula. If we do this, then that would be good for us. Faith can boil down to, well, we go to church on a Sunday. I can sometimes get my Bible that's under all the piles of stuff on my bedside table. Perhaps I'll pray when the, the time is right. Yet Paul lived in a reality that meant that death could be around the corner. This was now sort of stuff. Paul's faith is lived out regardless of... Of circumstance, Paul lived out a faith that, that extended beyond uh, anything that, that he could actually control. For us, that must be a faith that extends beyond the Sunday. A faith that moves naturally into our week, into our workplaces, into the sports club that we go to, into our universities, into our schools, into the, the villages that we live in. Because Paul placed Christ central in his life. And through the book of Philippians, Paul makes it pretty clear uh, about his love for Jesus. He doesn't hide it, does he? Flipping, if you flip forward to, to chapter 3, um, you'll know that, Paul, uh, that everything that Paul gained in the world, he actually calls it rubbish. He calls it rubbish. He says, I consider everything a loss because it's the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. All the things that he gained in the world, garbage. He was happy to lose everything worldly, just that he may know and love Jesus. That new mattress that you're going out to buy this afternoon, sorry, garbage, he calls it. In verse 21 he says, uh, of chapter 1, he says, To live is Christ, and to die is actually gain. The verse sums up exactly the opposite to what the world tells us what we should be striving for. Our modern culture is dominated by trying to make our lives more gratifying, isn't it? Fulfilling our hopes, our life, while keeping as far away from death as we can. In fact, those who have achieved or succeeded in life are often the ones that are admired or revered in our society. The idea of dying to gain or dying is a gain, it's not a popular con- concept in today's society. Gaining more money is a popular concept. Gaining more popularity is a, is a, is a good concept. More self-fulfillment is a good concept in today's society. They're defo- definitions of what success is. Yet Paul's definition says that knowing Christ is what brings me as much success as I need. For Paul, he sees living with Christ and dying with Christ as equal. For both, it's a place that's going to be in the centre of his world. If he's to live, he's going to live a life that totally honours God, that totally brings glory to God. He keeps Christ central in every aspect of his life, whether in chains, whether on the road, wherever he is. But if he doesn't survive, he gets to be with the Lord. It's a win-win situation for Paul. He's happy either way because he's got to this stage where he understands what his relationship with Jesus is about. Death is not the end for him. It is actually the new beginning, a time where he's reunited with Christ and he's experiencing that fullness of Christ. Paul's confidence in reuniting with Christ in his death brings this reassurance for him that, well, whatever I do on earth can be for Christ because I know Whatever happens, I'll be with Christ in the end. He says it in the rest of the verses. Let me read Philippians 1 to you part of that again from verse 21. He says, For me to live is Christ and to die. It's a gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor to me. Yet what should I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary that I remain in the body for you. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I'll continue to do all things for your progress of joy in the faith so that through my being with you once again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. It's a pretty bold statement. doesn't matter if I go and be with Christ because that's going to be awesome. But if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be doing something for God's glory. I wonder if we can say a similar thing. Is Christ so central in our lives that we think, day after day after day, you know what, this is how I'm going to live. On Thursday, the funeral that I uh, was at with Solari, it was one of Solari's uncles, he was a lovely, faithful man, full of joy. And the minister running the service said that, that um, in his last days, Dan would say to him, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. There was no fear, there was no regret, it was just this pending reality. It's near, and I'm meeting Jesus soon. And he was looking forward to it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his last message before his execution in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, he said a similar thing, he said this, For me, this is the end, but it's also the beginning. Having a faith centred around Christ turns our human perspectives upside down. Living life to the max flips around to being living life for Christ. Material possessions start to become vanity and the pressures and wrestles of the world become bearable. There was a young man, we'll call him David, who had grown up in a Christian home and had always attended church. However, as he grew older, he entered into the workforce. He found that his faith had been tested or was being tested. We've all been there. He was constantly bombarded with the pressures of the world and the demands of his job. And he found himself struggling to keep his relationship with Jesus central in his life. One day, David decided to take a walk. And he walked in the park to clear his mind and reflect on his priorities. As he walked, he came across a man who was sitting on a bench reading his Bible. David approached the man and asked him, how are you able to keep your faith so strong in the midst of life's pressures? The man smiled and told David a story. He explained that when he was a young man, he was a sailor and would spend many, many months at sea. He would often face treacherous storms. And he found that the only thing that could calm his fears was the image of a compass. Now, the compass would always point him in the right direction. He knew that no matter what obstacles he faced, he would always be able to find his way back home. The man then showed David this compass that he carried with him wherever he went. And he explained that just like the compass, Jesus should be the centre of our lives, guiding us, helping us to stay on course no matter what may come our way. David was struck by the power of that story and the simplicity of the message. He realised that he'd been putting too much emphasis on his job, his possessions, his own ambitions and wants and forgot to make Jesus the centre of his life. I wonder if you can resonate with David's story. I was thinking about the compass. We know that a compass always points north, doesn't it? It always has that reference point Christ is that reference point for us. As a land surveyor, I discovered, I used to be a land surveyor, if you didn't know that, I was a land surveyor, I discovered that if you've if you got a course that you have to plot for a, a piece of land, you want to put a peg into the right spot, you've you got to do it if, if over, over sort of 800,000 metres, you've got to do it pretty precisely. If you're a couple of degrees off, the further that you go out, the further off the peg will be. You don't have to be far off to make a big mess of a, of a, block, a, a large block of um, land. On our faith journey, if you're not headed north, if you're not keeping Christ central, if you're heading off on a tangent, over time you end up diverging in such a way that you find that where is God in the midst of it all? We become distracted by the noise and forget to look to Jesus as the centre. We start to follow other things and allow other things like our careers and relationships and personal goals to take precedence over the relationship with Christ. We might still come to church. We might still read our Bibles. They're not bad things in themselves, but we can't make them in place of the centrality of Christ. So a couple of practical things that we can do, and these are, these are things that every, every one of us can do to help us. So we, we, what can we do to do this? Well, we can do those things that are devotional. Spend time in, in prayer and the Bible is important. Set aside those times to do that, because it will start to keep Christ central. If you've gone, well, it's too hard. I don't know how to do it. There's a lot of audio apps now that you can put into the car as you as you drive along. So, you, if you're not a reader, you can do that. You can connect with friends over the U Version app and say, Hey, let's read together. Another thing you can do to keep Christ central is is surround yourself with other believers. Have a coffee with someone else you know is a believer. Spend time with them, encourage, support them in the journey. Join a connect group here at Killside South Baptist Church. And we'd love to have more connect groups start up. So if you're thinking, hey, I'd love to be a part of a group or it doesn't fit into my schedule, why don't you talk about starting a group or finding a group of people that maybe not be in a group and help out in that way. Maybe it's just grabbing one or two others and meeting every couple of weeks just to pray together. Another way we can keep Christ central is by being generous in our giving. Not just money or possessions, but with our time as well. Perhaps giving abundantly with the cost of living isn't something you can do right now. But giving is an action of worship that can keep Christ central in who we are. So, like the widow who dropped just a few coins, the smallest amount, into the offering. She gave abundantly through who she was. Giving to others, whether offering here at church or giving to someone in need or giving to Turkey and Syria, is a way that we put Christ's love into action. We make him the centre of our lives through our actions. We can live a life of integrity. Live in a way that reflects Christ's values and characters. Be honest, be kind... Be forgiving when someone does you wrong. Seek to honour him in all that you do. A life of integrity has been said, it says, who you are when no one is looking. If we kept a camera on you 24 7, will we find the same person when you're standing in front of me as you are when you're not? God's mission is hurt when Christians lack integrity, suspicion is caused. It can only hurt the kingdom. But a person of integrity, a person of ongoing faith, a person who keeps Christ central, makes a big impact on the kingdom. So keep Christ central in your life. The second thing that um, Philippians chapter 1 helps us with is to understand that Paul's life actually reflects the gospel. Philippians 1.27, it issues an appeal to the people of Philippi. It says this, Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul's second principle, reflect the gospel. Keep it central, but reflect it as well. Paul points to the unity of believers in verses 29, 28 29. He says, I know that you will stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that that you will be saved. For it has been granted on you, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle I saw that you had, you saw that I had, and that you still have. Paul has a longing for the people of Philippi. He has a longing for the followers of Christ. He says, stand firm, strive together As one in faith, don't fear the opposition that will come. And we say, Great, Paul, that's that's fantastic. We can do that. We don't need to fear any opposition. But when the opposition comes, it can be really hard, can't it? It can be brutal against us. Sharing our faith can be a scary proposition. And Paul says, I understand that struggle. I had to live it out in Philippi myself. I was thrown into jail there, I was beaten up there only to have the earth shake, the jail cells open, and the jailer come to know Jesus. Paul speaks this out because he's lived it out. He keeps Christ central, and then he lives out a gospel-based life. Many of us don't really suffer for the gospel, do we? I remember when I was land surveying, I put my faith out on a a limb uh, quite early within the company that I worked for. They knew I had a faith, they knew I went to church, um, and and I'd start to talk about my faith with them. When they asked what happened yesterday, I'd tell them a little bit about what happened at church, not what happened on Saturday night at the pub. Um, So the guys got to know me a bit, and when I first started, they'd read me a little bit about it. Not too badly, but enough to sort of make me go, ooh, ooh. But I stood firm, and as I did, I didn't back down, I didn't change my my tune when it got tough, slowly I started to see a behavioural change in my workplace, in my workmates. Their constant swearing, their cursing, would change when I was around. I was the one they'd come to when they had tough things happening to them, when they had personal problems. And I had opportunities to pray for many of them. As I reflected the gospel of Christ, as I didn't back away from it, people around me changed. And I pray that maybe, maybe some of that has rubbed off into a faith journey for them. Reflecting the gospel is a call to a public faith. Keeping Christ central is about our inner faith. Reflecting is about the public. So what are some ways that we can reflect the gospel? We can practically show love to others. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. Demonstrating love and compassion to those is a powerful way to reflect the gospel. We can serve others. Find ways that are practical to serve people in your community. Uh, Maybe it's volunteering at a local organisation or or reaching out to a friend in need or or asking your neighbours whether they need anything from the shops when you're going down there. It's a great way to put Christ's love in action. Foothills Community Care is based at Upway Baptist Church uh, and I think they're looking for uh, people to help them out with their meals programs on a, on a Wednesday night, I think it is. On Monday night, sorry. Get involved in things like that. There are many ways to serve the people around you. What a great way to achieve the goal of, of spending time with people that don't have a faith. Serve them. Uh, The third thing we can do is we can forgive. Being quick to forgive shows a massive kingdom approach. Forgiveness is a central theme of the gospel. We've got to be people who forgive. Be honest and truthful. It comes back to integrity, isn't it? But in the relationships we have with others, be honest and truthful. The gospel calls us to be honest and truthful in all our dealings. Dealing with others in truth and grace, it spells out the gospel to them. And the other thing we can do to live out this gospel is share it as well. Share who you are in Christ. One of the most powerful ways to reflect who Christ is is to share it through our actions and our words. It might be conversations, it might be service, however it is. Sharing the gospel brings hope to others. We've just uh, at the start of saying how we'd love to see people come to know Jesus. Jesus. The only way they're going to come to know Jesus is to see it, by seeing Jesus in you and hearing about Jesus from you. Let's share the stories about how Jesus is impacting our lives, about how, as we keep Christ central, it is spreading out into the world around us. So, we've got two principles no equations. Live a life with Christ central to everything you do, and live a life that reflects the gospel to those around. Two principles that help us become men and women of great lasting faith. Even though that faith will be challenged at times. Even though that it will be hard at times. Even though we know there's ups and downs along the journey. But like the two men we farewelled this week. May we find the fullness of Christ in our lives as we grow older. May we develop a faith that moves beyond Sunday. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are the centre of our faith, that without you, faith is nothing. So our God, we pray this morning that we may be people who keep you centre, that through our week, our decisions, the things that we do, the the reactions that we make to others will be based around you. That you will guide our thoughts and our actions. And that others will see that lived out as gospel. So we give you thanks and praise.
1: In Jesus' name. Amen.